Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. We're going to look at Psalm 20 this morning. So if you've got a physical Bible, why don't you open up to Psalm 20? If you've got your phone, then scroll there. It is going to be on the screen as well. And once enough people have got it and look up at me, I'm going to start reading. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. May we shout for joy over your victory and lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests. Now this I know, the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. Lord, give victory to the king. Answer us when we call. I want to start by asking you guys a question this morning. And here's a question. What is going wrong in your life right now? I want us to think for a minute, and all of us, to, to think of something that's going wrong in our life. A, little, a problem in, in your life now. Uh, and we're going to think about that as we, as we go through. Maybe it's something to do with your, to do with your job. There have been all kinds of strikes going on recently in lots of different sectors, including healthcare where I work. And that's caused a lot of uncertainty and a lot of, um, you know, a lot of mess, hasn't it, with, with job situations. Maybe that's a problem for you. Maybe it's a health problem. We know there are a couple of people in this church who have health issues at the moment and probably lots more that I don't, I don't know about. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a money thing. You've got too much money going out and not enough money coming in. Or maybe it's a relational conflict you just can't fix. Or perhaps it isn't that there's something actually bad going on in your life. It's almost that there's something good that's just missing. Maybe it is a relationship that you want. You want a close friendship or you want to be married and it hasn't happened yet. Or maybe it's you want something fun and exciting in your life that just, just isn't there. Maybe it's that you want a job that really suits your, your skills or something that, that, and, and it just doesn't seem like the right place to happen. So I'd like you to just think of one of those problems and we'll come back to it as we go through. For me, as I was thinking about this, one problem in my life is being busy, okay? And it's an easy one to share with you guys because I don't need to wear all my dirty underwear in public. But um, I've got a full-time job. I have more than, more than a couple of children um, uh, and be involved with church. I play football every week and somewhere along there I've got to show my wife that I care for her. And it's like I've got, like I've got eight days' worth of stuff and I'm trying to cram it into seven days every week. It's like that, in the words of the, um, the famous British philosophers, the Beatles... Eight days a week is not enough, not enough to show that I care, although I tell Rose that I try every week. And maybe you're thinking that, that my problem of being busy isn't that big a problem. And it's probably not. Compared to lots of you, it might be a small one. 
I, um, in March, had the amazing privilege of going out to, to Poland and um, with Tim Simmons, who, who was doing some, so Tim was doing some, some teaching, some training for Ukrainian Christians, Ukrainian church planters who came out of Ukraine for a few days to be trained up in how to plant churches. They're Christians who are living in a war zone. Compared to that, my problem is small. And also just recently, I was out in, in Kenya helping out in a, a mission hospital there. Um, and we, we often complain about the NHS, right? And these long waiting lists and all sorts. People who I saw there, some people were so poor they couldn't afford any, any medical treatment at all. Or people who lived so far away from hospital that after they'd crashed their motorbike, by the time their relatives brought them to hospital in the car, it was too late. So my problem is small. Your problem may be, may be bigger. But here, I think, is the first thing that we can get from this psalm. It's that the Bible is honest about our problems. One of the ways that we know that the Bible is a book written by God is because it actually makes sense of the way the world really is. The Bible describes wars. It describes natural disasters. It describes illnesses. All of those, you may say, are external things. But it also describes the internal things in our hearts that we know are wrong, that we get angry too often, some of us, that we're selfish, that we're greedy. The Bible isn't a book that ignores the reality of the world. Christianity is not a a view of the world that doesn't make sense. It, It acknowledges that there is real evil and suffering in the world. And we see that here, don't we? If you, if you want to just flip back, Tom, to the, the start of the psalm. What we see here in this psalm, it's almost like we're hearing one half of a conversation. It's one person talking to another person for almost all of it. And we're overhearing what this one person's saying. And we can guess what's going on in the life of the other person. So have a look at this, verse 1. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. So the person's in distress, whatever that is. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. And then look at the second part of verse 2. May he grant you support from Zion. And I've missed out. May he send you help. So this guy's in distress. He needs protection. He needs help. He needs support. We don't know exactly what this problem is that this person's going through. But we know that it's something real. We know that it's something significant. And the Bible is honest about this problem that this person is going through. And actually, it's not just that there's something bad going on. It's also that there's, this person wants something good in their life that just hasn't happened. If you look at verse 4, is it still on there? May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. And then in the next, next verse, may we shout for joy over your victory. May the Lord grant all your requests. Father, I pray you'll give me one of those big Mercedes people carriers that my neighbours have. You know I'd love one. Wouldn't it be amazing if God granted all your requests? Would it? Actually, you think for a minute and you think, hmm, maybe it wouldn't. If God gave everything, everyone everything they ever wanted, it would create a whole lot more problems. So this is a little bit like, like imagine after we finish, after church, you stood over there and you're having a cup of coffee and you're facing over that way, and you overhear a conversation behind you, and you hear, you hear Vix or something uh, talking from behind you, and saying, oh, that sounds really difficult. I really hope, I, I really got to pray that God helps you in that situation, and you get the support you need. And you're having a, a nosy moment, as, as my wife called it yesterday, and you're thinking, oh, I wonder what the problem is there. I wonder what they're talking about. 
But actually, you don't know what the problem is, and you don't need to know. Um, but you know there's something going on, isn't there? And well, what, does it, what does it mean for us? Well, it means that, that the, the Bible acknowledges our problems. It means that all of our problems make sense in the world according to the Bible, according to the God of Christianity. And more than that, it means that God knows your problems and yours and yours and yours and mine. And we don't see that in, in here necessarily, but in the rest of the Bible... It gives that impression, doesn't it? There's another psalm which you all know where it says, God knows when we sit down and he knows when we get up. He'll, he knows what we're going to say before it's even on our lips. And what does Jesus say? God knows how many hairs are on your head. Isn't that amazing that the God who made the whole world, who made you, knows all about your problems? I had um, a situation a couple of days ago at work, where one of my colleagues came to me, where I work in hospital, one of my, one of my junior colleagues, had had a, a slightly bad experience a couple of weeks before. And um, we were just chatting about something else, and then it came up. She just kind of mentioned it. And I thought, ah, I wonder if this is something we need to talk about a bit more. So we went into the back office and sat down for only 10 minutes or so, and she was able to tell me what happened. And, you know, this, this happened, Josh, and then this and this. Um, and I, I listened to her, and I was able to hear what she had gone through. And at the end of the... T- I didn't do anything special. I just kind of sat and listened and asked some questions. At the end of the 10 minutes, she said, she said, you know what, Josh, that was really helpful, just knowing that someone else understood what I'd gone through, that someone else knows about my problem. And if that's true on a human level, when we talk to one another, how much more true is it if the God who made the universe knows all about our problems? So for me, with my busyness... It means God knows everything I've got on my to-do list every week before I tell him. It means God knows all the things that are competing for my attention, some good and some bad, some a complete waste of time. (laughs) Not all football is a waste of time, but sometimes it can be, thank you. Um, Heckling is welcomed, by the way, it's fine. But what about for you and your problem? It means that Even if the person sat next to you doesn't know what your problem is, God knows. Even if your best friend doesn't know what your problem is, God knows what it is. Even if you're married and your spouse doesn't know, God knows what your problem is. Maybe you think your problem is too big to to tell anyone. You think, I can't burden anyone with that. It's not too big for God. Or maybe you think your problem is too small to even bother anyone with. Oh, it's just so insignificant. Not too small for God. God knows all about your problems. But this this psalm doesn't just tell us that problems are real. It doesn't just acknowledge that problems exist, but it gives us some idea about how to to deal with them. And this, I think, is the second thing we can get out of this. Don't trust in the things around you. Trust in God. I'm just going to say exactly what I just said. Don't trust in the things around you but trust in God. Have a look at verse 7. If you've still got your Bibles open, it'd be great if you could follow along. It's always good to check that the person up the front isn't making it up when he says he's reading from the Bible. Verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Here's what this guy is saying, I think. He's saying whatever you use to try and fix your problems, don't put your trust in them. 
don't trust in them ultimately thinking those things you're doing are the things that are going to solve the problem. Trust in God. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. This, um, this psalm is talking about King David at the very start. I don't know if you notice it said a psalm of David. David was the king of Israel at this time. He was, he was God's chosen leader for his people. Um, but he was also an army general, wasn't he? He used to go out fighting with the, with the, um, the, Israeli, the Israeli army. Uh, and he used, what does it say there? Chariots. He used chariots. He used horses. He used swords. He used his army. But when we come to the New Testament later on, it describes David and it says he was a man after God's own heart. He used all of these things, but he didn't trust in them. He didn't put his ultimate trust in them. So um, this is where my visual aids come in. You'll have noticed I've got a table here and a little bag. <coughs> so I've got some, thing, got some things here that David used. So David used horses, right? <coughs> what else do we have in here? David used weapons. This is a helmet. Does anyone know what this is from? Ninjago, very good. Who said that? One point for Andy. Very good. Um, and, and David used those things to try and fix his problems, but didn't trust in them ultimately. So the other day I asked my family what, what they do when they have problems, how they can try and fix their problems. And I said, what do you do if you've got a problem? What do you, how do you try and fix it? So I've got some things in here that show what they, they said to me. One of them said they like to go to the fridge or the cupboard for, uh, for food. And I said, what kind of food? Chocolate. Chocolate. I'm not going to tell you which members of my family said these particular things. Um, there is a bit of privacy here. <coughs> what else have we got? One of them said they like to cuddle less their, their soft toy. I think it's a bit dirty now, but you've got a couple of... Someone said they like to go into their room and listen to music. Does anyone do that? Anyone, if they're having a, t- a tough time, put on some music they like, listen to it, yeah? Hey. Yeah? Sometimes if people have a problem in their life, they want to be distracted by something really good. Um, okay, that one's me. That one's me. Sometimes I do that. What else do we have here? Oh, yeah. How about this? How about this? Related to chocolate, this is, this is ice cream. This is a kind of comfort food. I know it might melt over the next little while. Uh, and how about this one? Okay, so this is, this is also one of mine. To-do list. Number one, finish talk prep. Well, if I haven't finished that, it's a bit late now, isn't it? Number two, book service for Boiler. Yeah, I need to do that. Number three, find out the time for the City Arsenal match this afternoon. Uh, it's at four o'clock. Um, so those are some of the things that I ask my family, that, that, you know, how they fix their problems. And, and, and so how are you fixing your problem? The problem I asked you to think about at the start. What are you trying to do? Maybe it's a bit of escapism when you can't bear it anymore, watching the football on TV. Um, maybe you're trying to get help from your friends. Maybe you're, what, if you're coming to the Oasis Centre to help with some problems you have. There are lots of different things we do to try and help our problems. And some of them are really good things. Helping with my busyness, keeping a to-do list is quite helpful, I think, 
It helps me be organized. But the temptation for me is to put my trust in it, to think, ah, but if I'm really well organized, that's going to solve my problem of being busy. It's a good thing to do, but sometimes it's, it's, we, we can put our trust in it, put our trust in the wrong place. The point here is that if we put our ultimate trust in any of these things, it's not going to work. Our ultimate trust has got to be in God. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And then you see in the next verse, it says, they are brought to their knees and falls. So that's saying in general, people who put their trust in the wrong things, it's not going to go well for them. People who put their trust in God, we rise up and stand firm. I was talking to one of my friends about this this week and say, I was saying, hey, look, I'm going to be um, talking about Psalm 20. What do you think? Have you got any ideas? And he told me about a, a time in his life, which I knew a bit about already, but he, he went into it in a bit more detail, when uh, his, my friend's wife was, was pregnant. And they had, had uh, just found out at this time um, that the baby had died. She was 22 weeks, and they already had some, some children. They were excited about having another one, and they'd found out that the, the baby was, was, was gone. She was, the baby was still there. She was still pregnant, but the baby had died. And they were torn in two. They didn't know what they should do. Some people were saying, oh, you need to have a, a cesarean section. Other people were saying, no, no, you should let nature take its course. Um, and they were completely in two minds and didn't, didn't know what was going on. They, they weren't in the UK. They're in a place where access to healthcare is a bit different. And the local doctor said to them, look, I, I really think you need to have a C-section here. Um, that's what you need to do. And they didn't know. And my friend said to me that he and his wife were, were talking about it, we're praying about it. Um, and he said, we said to each other, we think this is the right thing to do, but we're not putting our trust in the doctor, even though we're doing what, what he says, and he's going to do the procedure. We're not putting our trust in the doctor. The trust is in Jesus. And that's just a great example of how we can do the things that we think are the right things to help with our problems, but our ultimate trust should be in the God who's never going to let us down. But how do we, how do we know that this is the, the right thing to do? There is, there is a clue in here, I think. The, um, the whole Bible points towards Jesus, doesn't it? And I think the third thing we can, we can get from this is that Jesus is the reason why we can trust God in our promises. The message of the whole Bible is that Jesus, God's son, who is perfect and never did anything wrong, he stood in our place and taking our problems onto himself when he died on the cross. Have a look at this in verse 6. Now this I know, the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary. Who is this anointed? the anointed person here. Now, if you've done more theological study than I have, you'll tell me that the anointed in the book of Psalms is usually King David, this guy who's king of Israel who, who had been anointed to be the king when they were declared king. They often got some oil poured over their head as an anointing. But there's at least a couple of Psalms where when it gets to Jesus, the people look back on the Psalms and they say, no, no, that's, that's Jesus that's talking about. And I think this is talking about Jesus here. The Lord gives victory to his anointed. Who's the ultimate anointed one by God? Well, it was Jesus who never did anything wrong, who lived a perfect life. And look at this. He answers him 
from his heavenly sanctuary. So he means God the Father. He answers Jesus. There's a conversation going on here within the Trinity, I think. And that presupposes that Jesus is uh, asking a question, doesn't it? And there's a verse here in the New Testament that I think gives us a key to help, help us understand what's going on here. And I'm going to read it out for you. And this is, this is in Hebrews chapter 7, verses 25 and 27. And it says, Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede them, intercede for them. And then after, a bit after that, it says, Jesus, he, he sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. So let's just translate that a, a little bit. What that means is that when Jesus died on the cross, he was perfect himself, but he took all of our problems onto him. So all the mess we've made of our life, Jesus took it onto himself so that we could get what he deserved, which was for forgiveness, well, eternal life, relationship with God. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. You see, at the heart of Christianity is this thing that Jesus has dealt with our, our biggest problem when he died on the cross. And so all of these other problems we have, my busyness is a tiny problem compared to the huge problem of my sin. Even our worst problems are small problems compared to what Jesus has already dealt with. And if Jesus has already dealt with the biggest problem, doesn't that mean he can help us in our Smaller problems. And maybe that doesn't mean that all of our smaller problems are going to be fixed. In fact, I'm sure it doesn't. But it means that we can trust God in the midst of it. I was trying to think of a a small illustration for this. And I I remember this letter we got through the post the other day. Uh, Maybe you can see from the back, it says penalty charge notice. Um, Don't worry, we weren't speeding. Uh, This is from one of these clean air zones, right? You come across these. I think the one in Manchester hasn't started yet, has it? Or cost of living and so on. But um, we went to an, another city, not the second city in the UK, because that's Manchester. Um, and we didn't even know it was a clean air zone. We, got, uh, there were, uh, we didn't see any signs or anything. And then we got this letter saying, you've got to pay a fine. Oh, uh, what do you mean you've got to pay a fine? Didn't even know we were breaking any rules. Turns out we've got to pay a fine. Imagine that when I got this letter, um, I was looking at it thinking of got to pay a fine. And, and Jesus stands next to me, turns up and pops up next to me. And he says, don't worry, Josh, I've, I've paid the fine. What do you mean you paid, you paid the fine? Really? Wow. And he says, yeah, I've paid the fine for you. Even before you got the letter, I've paid the fine. Oh, okay, thanks. And then, um, and Jesus, why, why are you on the phone? And Jesus says, oh, oh, right. Well, I've, I've paid the fine. Uh, look, here's the reference number. Um, but I'm on the phone to remind them that I've already paid it so you don't get any more of these letters. The reality is so much better than that, isn't it? It's not just a fine, as inconvenient and difficult as that might be. It's that Jesus has dealt with our huge problem of our alienation from God. And Jesus is talking to God the Father in heaven, reminding him about what he's done for us. And probably, I don't know, talking about our smaller problems as well. Isn't that amazing? It means that with my, with my busyness, I know that it's a, a small problem compared to the massive one, but I know that God cares about it. I know that Jesus has dealt with the, 
the bigger problem so he can help me in my problem of trying to fit eight days a week into seven days a week. Just thinking about how we might, how we might respond to this. The, I think most of us here are, here are already followers of Jesus. Um, and maybe it's, maybe it's thinking about that problem you thought about at the start. How are you trying to fix it? Where is your ultimate trust? Have you been putting your trust in the wrong place? Thinking, well, if I get this and this and this lined up, it'll be sorted. Sorry, we'll, we'll need to move that table. Um, maybe this is a time to come back to God and say, okay, God, I'm sorry for trusting in the wrong things here. I'm going to put my trust in you again. Maybe there's one or two of you here who are not yet followers of Jesus. And maybe you know that the biggest problem in your life is that you're not on a good relationship with God. You're not friends with God because of all your sin and all the mess you've made of your life. Maybe this is the day when you pray and you say, okay, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me for the mess I've made in my life through what Jesus did on the cross. I give you my life to follow you today.